This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at FirstClassMortgage.com. Now let's start the show with your hosts, Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 210. There he is, Viggs. How are you doing tonight? It was it was a good weekend for the boys, wasn't it? Yeah, a little surprising how well this team is playing right now. I was I was not expecting that uh result out of the weekend. And uh it is very pleasing hockey to watch. Boy, was it ever. It was uh I predicted five points, but I was just I was trying to keep some positivity. And you know, they, they sweep Ohio State three to two. Great game. And then that that kind of blowout I was looking for. The first game happened, the second game. Um, it wasn't a Jekyll and Hyde weekend, Viggs. They played pretty really solid Friday night. Got got a decent win on the road. Second night, they didn't let up. They came right back to it and they they took care of Ohio State. Yeah, I don't think we saw the Buckeyes' best performance over the weekend. Uh, Steve Rollock was not happy with his team after the weekend. He didn't think they they rose to the challenge that Minnesota presented for them. But on the flip side, Minnesota <laughs> took advantage of the chances they had, and we just saw the skill that's throughout this lineup. You know, the freshmen are really playing confident right now, and when that skill comes through, it's impressive. Yeah, uh, obviously, Pitlick is a- he, he, he has arrived. <laughs> and they needed him to arrive as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a roster where when the Nyes line and Myers line, when they left for the Olympics, you're going, where are they going to get scoring from? You were just really worried who in this lineup was going to be able to step up. And that line has played so well the last four games that you look at this team going forward when they get the Olympic guys back, is this a three scoring line team that has a lot of depth? And, and and does he take Lucius off the freshman line and put him back? Or is he just kind of fit those two guys back on the forward somewhere? I mean, you probably keep Nyes and Myers together when they come back, mm-hmm. but this freshman line has looked really good together. And I think sometimes when you have these young players, they'll defer to veterans, you know, and they might overpass. They not might not play very confidently. This group looks really good together, and I think their skill sets fit together really well as as well. What did you think about the power play this past weekend? It's it's still something that I think is a work in progress for them. I think they're doing a great job getting set up in the zone. I think they're doing a better job getting pucks to the net. They just need to keep at that and get the second chances. Because I think the power play unit gets really dangerous when they get pucks on net, they get second chances, and they create a lot of chaos. I don't think this is a real pretty power play group for whatever reason. Like They're not going to wow you with their puck movement and seeming pucks all over the place and just being super dangerous. But I think it's a team that could 
get some volume of shots and, and get second chances and, and get gritty goals that way. Mm-hmm. Especially when you look at guys like McLaughlin yeah. and then when they get Nelson back, you know, that's how they've been scoring goals is, you know, second chances, putting away the trash. Uh, if you're watching us live, either on Facebook or YouTube or uh, just feel free to message us, you know, have a, add a comment. We'll try to get to your questions during the show and allow you to participate I'm going to add this up here to for the live viewers, Vigs. Um, Michigan moves up on the first place. Minnesota in second. Ohio State in third. Just a point back. It, it's still technically a three-way race for the top spot. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan State this weekend. I can see Notre Dame doing that one. You know, we've got Ohio State and Michigan We've kind of become Ohio State fans all of a sudden, didn't we? <laughs> we don't like you last week, but this weekend we need you to perform because with the two games in hand, boy, Ohio State could really help Minnesota, you know, in their attempt to get the first place. Yeah, I think that's a huge weekend to look at. And I think Ohio State's gonna be playing better than they did against Minnesota. You know, that team is is a dangerous team, and they just didn't really have it against Minnesota. I thought they were too relaxed and they played too passive. It was almost like, you know, some of those Notre Dame games where the team will just sit back and is not very aggressive. And Minnesota has shown over time that they are really good if their opponents try to put that game plan into practice. And I don't think Ohio State will stick with that when they play Michigan. That's their big rival. Ryan K has a question. Thankfully, Lacoma's looked better, but should we be concerned with Johnson on the blue line? We did have an instance at the end of the game on Saturday. Uh, Johnson took out a player with a bit of slew foot within his tackle. Well, it was Brinkman who's out. Oh, I'm and I'm, so I am so sorry. I yeah, I just I was thinking Brinkman the whole time, but yes, yeah. I, I think Ryan Johnson maybe hasn't had his best year from the eye test. It's interesting that there were some analytics that are being put out by Instat. They do a lot of tracking of defensemen and, and what kinds of things, you know, zone exits, uh, clean exits, carries, uh, possession, uh, takeaways, giveaways, things like that. And they actually have Ryan Johnson as one of the best defensemen. Mm-hmm for the Gophers better than Faber by a lot, according to these stats. Now I think my eye test says Brock Faber is a very, very elite college defenseman who proved that in the Olympics. He's a good player at that level as well. Uh, but I, I'm not super concerned with Ryan Johnson. You know, his ability to skate and move are elite. He's, he's a really good skater. I think the offense maybe isn't there for him, but it, it'll be important for them. I think, to really rely on Lacombe, Johnson, and Kester this weekend with Brinkman out on Friday and Faber probably not being back yet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the D because I think Rossini has gotten a couple shifts, but I, I don't think you want to be playing him a lot against Penn State, a team that's super physical. Yeah, completely my mistake, uh, confusing Johnson and Brinkman there on, on the slew foot. Let's talk about Brinkman and the slew foot. Um I'm guessing if it, if it happens earlier in the game, like first or second period, he might not get that extra game. Um, just because you know, hey, it's at the end of a game, you give a guy a five minute major, and and you know, game is kind of, it's not really too much punishment for a kid, especially when you're winning the game. 
So there, maybe there's some of that to it. But you know what? I had no problem with the, with the suspension. I think it's a dangerous play. I thought it was a little severe to suspend him. I could understand the penalty and, and things like that, but I I don't think it was a malicious play with intent. It was Brinkman going, oh, this guy's going to run me? Okay, come on. Give me, give me your best shot. And he just kind of taunted him a little bit with a little look at the yeah. end. Not a great look. You know, it's obviously a penalty and, and something that college hockey tries to take out of the game and didn't want it to escalate. But but I thought it was kind of a weird suspension for me. Um, well, maybe it does come back to that. Hey, it's late in the game. He really didn't get punished for it. This is the way to punish. Right. But I, I don't think it was that dangerous of a play. <clears throat> you know, it's not like one of those boarding calls where you're putting someone headfirst into the boards or checking somebody from behind. You know, I didn't think that there was a lot of risk of injury there. You know, sometimes on these slew foots, you know, people go down head first. And I think that's why slew footing is, mm-hmm. you know, the severe penalty where it is, where it's a violent crash to the ice with a player who's not expecting it. You know, this is a player who is trying to initiate contact with Brinkman. I don't think that it was a violent slew foot, you know, if mm-hmm. we're trying to put levels on it. Our boy Tim Hapke, do they mostly play five defensemen in one game with Rossini getting limited minutes? I mean, I, that kind of brings up the topic. Are we more likely to see Denman or Rossini? <laughs> I mean, Bob has shown he's trying to get Rossini some playing time. I mean, he's got no, he probably has no legs, but. Yeah, so I don't know if that's just getting him acclimated in case they do need him at some point. I would think they will play mostly five defensemen as long as the game is tight, uh, you know, Carl Fish's emergence has been really important for this blue line. Oh, I really and, like this play. Really and they like will really play. count on this weekend. Cause I think this is a good matchup for him against Penn state, you know, a team that likes to be physical on the four check. I think it'll be a nice coming out weekend for fish. So a great weekend, six points against Ohio state. We leapfrog them in the standings. Michigan's only two points uh, behind our big Ohio state fans. Things are going well. We did great without the players gone. But the bad news is those players over in Beijing had the rug pulled out from under them uh, late last night, Viggs, early this morning. Lost in the shootout. Um, I, I, I feel that, you know, I noticed you did remark on Twitter last night that all the guys on the ice, when they tied the goal, were Minnesotans. Um, I... I I don't know if I have a problem with that. It, it's it's tough to defend. I noticed they had a hard time defending in their zone when any team got a puck control in there. I mean, for the whole tournament. But boy, it, it, it was just a shame to see it end that way. They just couldn't take advantage of their opportunities in that entire game. Yeah, and they had chances to score. I thought yes. the the goalie for the Slovaks played really well and. Uh, it was just they couldn't solve them. And that power play, you know, when you're rushing to put a group together for the Olympics, your power play isn't going to be polished. It always surprises me, though, that when you have opportunities like that, you have these elite, elite talents, and they just can't quite figure it out, and they kind of step all over themselves in situations like that. I'm sure having Sanderson out, he's a player that they probably want to project into those power play minutes. And without him there, it's a little bit of a, a yard sale on how to organize that group. You know, Brock Faber doesn't even get a lot of power play time at Minnesota. 
know, he, so. he was getting quite a bit of power play time last night. Right, which is which is interesting because uh, I definitely thought Faber was going to be more power play happy this year with with the Gophers, but it hasn't really been the case. Bob's kind of leaned on Lacombe a lot and Kester and and Johnson here and there, uh, so we'll see. Uh, it was it was too bad for it to end in a shootout. Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, I, one of my frustrations, I'm going to complain about the refs. Quite a few high sticks, dangerous, I would say, high sticks, not called. We had Nyes in the last two or three minutes take a shot up high. You know, I mean, when I watched that replay from the reverse angle, the puck's up high. You could see Nyes look, oh, I should swing it. No, if I swing at it, it's going to be a high stick. You could see him kind of that thought in his head, don't swing at it. And just as he finishes his, you know, thought on it, whack a stick comes across, hits him, and then it gets up into it under his eye shield. The ref's right behind sees it, you would think. Um, I, we saw a point in the first period. I, was it Beniers? I'm, somebody took a shot up high. May have been bleeding a little bit up here. I think those Beniers. Yeah, and then I saw in the second period, I saw a, a player's head snap back from a stick up. So at least three of them weren't called. That was frustrating because the nice part at the end of the day, they could have sealed the game. And not be, you know, six on five. It's if they pull it, it's five on five. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a way to kill the game. Uh, I don't know what the refs were thinking. You know, they maybe they seemed obvious to us, but with that many eyes on the ice, how do they miss that? And usually international tournaments are called tighter. Oh, yeah, that's in fun. my mind. I mean, that's been my experience is it's, yes. it's a tightly called game. Anything close gets called. It's not like the Stanley Cup playoffs where anything goes. You know, I was surprised on Nyes' kind of rush. You know, there was a stick in his hands on that rush that took away that scoring chance a little bit. At, at, the, at the end of the game or the yeah. end of the overtime? Yeah. And I'm just surprised. We usually see tighter officiating in the Olympics. Who knows if the power play would have been able to take advantage of it anyway that is based on the way they were playing. Um, uh, my point was more at the end of the game. You have a chance to really milk away the game because I can't remember the exact time. It was three or two or three minutes, whatever, when that Nyes incident happened. Um, obviously you can't, can't change that, but I was surprised. I didn't know the overtime rules. All of a sudden they start out three on three and I know it's quite a few people on the media didn't know it either. They're like, what? Mm-hmm. And even more shocking, nobody scored in 10 minutes of three on three hockey. It was a little crazy. I, I, and there wasn't really super huge, great chances. I, there's a couple and, you know, Faber broke up a great opportunity Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't like it can be like we've seen in the NHL. Yeah, I I thought the overtime was entertaining. I was surprised it was three on three for this too, but I understand it. You know, they want to try to get the games over and not have them drag on forever. You know, three and three is kind of gimmick hockey, but I thought both teams did a nice job of playing that possession hockey like you have to do in overtime and the chances were limited and it wasn't so racehorse hockey. Like we've seen some of the times in the Gophers three on threes this year. Um, and there were chances both ways. Good goaltending. That Strauss man guy. He, he played pretty well. That's his last name, time. right? Yeah. Strauss man. Yeah. <laughs> you, announcers, they can't help themselves. Uh, it's, it's funny. Right after that, Albert started using man a little more often. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving Vosters the credit. Cause he was probably there in the studio. I'm guessing Vosters just went right into say man a little more often, not just Strauss. 
<laughs> Who knows? Um, obviously, a huge disappointment. Um, not what we wanted, but you know, I I was thinking back to the refing. I was really surprised overall with the refing. International played, like you've said. We've seen a lot of times the Americans come in and the Canadians come in. They get a lot of penalties because mm-hmm. of the style of play they play. High sticking, stick checking, um, interference. One thing that really bothered me about the U.S. game versus Canada is that Canadians were getting away with a ton of interference. A lot of clutching around me because they couldn't keep up with the Americans. Mm-hmm. Nothing was called. Yeah, definitely a that surprising is not, That is not international hockey from what I've seen. In all the years I've been watching, they call everything. Yeah, very atypical. I didn't watch a whole lot of the games other than the U.S. Canada game and then the quarterfinal last night. But you know, I I imagine we'll see in the women's game tonight a tightly officiated game. I would expect, and that USA Canada women's team is always a physical affair. You know, it's it's going to be intense tonight to watch. So. Everyone's back in. Can the players get back? The players are not coming back this quickly. And we shouldn't even, I I don't even know why it was a discussion on Twitter today and a few other places. These kids need a rest and you shouldn't travel literally half a world away. And your, your internal clock is going to be so messed up for a while. You know, even if they, you know, when, and when they come back for Wisconsin, they're still going to be messed up Vegas. It might take them a couple weeks to get really back in, to some kind of normal time. Yeah, we, we've seen this before with guys coming back from World mm-hmm. Junior. You know, the coaches try to ease them back into the routine of practices and things like that. I'm sure Bob will give them a couple days off. He's been giving the team off Tuesdays the last couple of weeks here, trying to rest them up. I'm sure they've got some uh, catapult data that that Cal Dietz is putting the, the hands of whoever's taken over for him while he's been in China and just kind of figure out ways to get this team recovered because they are playing well in the games. Uh, so they just got to do whatever they can do to, to keep that going. I do. <laughs> Corey V's got the comment. Mel get in there guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Michigan would, would like to have their players back as soon as possible for this weekend. So maybe Michigan <laughs> will have a private jet, get those guys back for their series with the Buckeyes. Oh boy. That's, that would be stupid. I mean, they could be a liability. I mean, I, for Michigan, I think they're pretty good. I think they'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, they've been doing okay with their players gone. They've been kicking some pretty much butt. Um, but they haven't played the elite teams. Yeah, but, you know, Minnesota wasn't beating up Michigan State at home like Michigan just did, you know, at home and in, in that uh, – at the, at the new Joe, whatever the new Joe is, Little Caesars or something. Little Caesars, like yeah. Um, they they kicked their ass. I mean, they they dominated that entire weekend. There was nothing in doubt there. So, who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm trying to watch the time here. We're going to try to keep this podcast a little shorter and get to overtime so we can all kind of pay attention to the women's game coming up here. Um, and you know, kind of what that means, we need to get to our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers, Jerry Peters here from First Class Mortgage. Have you refinanced your home in the last 12 months? If you haven't, chances are you should. 
Record low interest rates and skyrocketing home values make this the perfect time to remove monthly PMI while improving your interest rate at the same time. You can also use the equity in your home to finance those home improvement projects. Or you can consolidate high interest rate credit cards into one new low monthly payment. To hear more, call or text me today at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Or you could go to firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. Mention the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842 minus 480200. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. Kind of a little hesitation there. Not sure what happened there, Viggs, but I think we're okay. Viggs, I noticed you posted some uh, messages in the chat here. Um, Are these questions you you saw from uh, people messaging you? Yeah, we've got some followers out there who don't know how to use the GPL podcast hashtag. (laughs) So they're just replying to my post, which is fine. We'll take those as well. Like Pat McAlady, <laughs> even even Pat McAlady, you know he's been a busy guy. He was he was talking about Danton Cole keeping his job at Michigan State this week. You know he's which probably, we talked about last week. So yeah, he's probably an expert on uh, St. Cloud and UMD and why they keep falling in the pairwise. Is the Big Ten maybe the best conference in college hockey this year? Um, for, for me, Biggs, let's wait till the end of the season because we've seen it before. We've seen it before. Big Ten's has gotten the big ego. They get the two number one seeds and a couple teams in, and then NCHC takes it to them. So they got to prove it in the playoffs, obviously, before they can take that well, crown. Like you said, you know, Pat McLeod asking, who comes out of the lineup when the Olympians come back? You know, we've I've, I've seen some you know mentions on on GPL people even talking about you know Nelson's coming back as well, but. Nelson's not a big point guy. Does he even automatically get back in the lineup? It it, it will might be a little tricky situation uh, for Coach Moscovies. Yeah, I think it's a situation where they're going to play thirteen forwards. You know, Bob has liked to do the seventy instead at times, but I think he'll go with thirteen forwards here when they get the guys back. You know, Colin Schmidt's probably going to be the guy who's going to come out. He has been an interesting player to watch with his physicality. I, I do know. like that. It, I have like Penn it. State. That would be kind of interesting to see. You know that Sorensen Perbix uh, Schmidt line has kind of been a Bash Brothers kind of group, which is which is fun to watch sometimes. Uh, but I I think that line also is the one that might be getting replaced because I think you're going to want to keep the freshman line together with uh, Lucius, Huglin, and Pitlick. I think you're probably going to see. Uh, Walker McLaughlin stick together. Uh, who knows if uh, Brodzinski gets to stay on that line? He's kind of a streaky player. Put him with Nyes and uh, Myers. I think that might be a good fit for him. You know, a, a line where you know they can do a lot of work and and he can sit back and pick he can pick shoot. corners. We he can that. shoot. Yep. I think he kind of gets into trouble sometimes with the Walker and McLaughlin line because they get so stretched out and they're not really connected. You know, he was kind of talking about this week during availability. It's like when he's out there with them, he's just trying to keep up. And that's <laughs> never a great thing as being that third forward, uh, you know, where you're always just trying to get into the play rather than finding the right spot to be. 
and having linemates who who get the puck back to you. I, I have noticed Walker moving the puck a little bit more lately, mm-hmm. which is nice to see and early. Um, Brodzinski talked about that and availability today too. He's like, you know, that early pass has been really good for their line. Darren Westfall is asking, uh, did Nice or Faber do anything at the, uh, the Olympics to boost the possibility of them leaving college after the season? I think that's an excellent question, you know, but we, it was strange that we actually heard this week that uh, some people are saying Nice should stay another year. Well, I think it would certainly benefit him to stay another year. You know, the team, I'll tell you that <laughs> it'd be good for Minnesota. Yeah. And Mel Pearson's been saying that Nyes is a one and done type talent. And you watch on the Olympic stage, Nyes drives the game five on five, which is pretty rare for a young player. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that I've noticed how well he grinds and gets the ground game going. I think a lot of times with the gopher teams in the past, the young freshmen who are talented do really well in the rush and they contribute some on the power play. But five on five, they kind of disappear. I think we're seeing that a little bit with Lucius at times. You know, he kind of disappears in the five on five play because he's not able to make an impact, you know, winning board battles and things like that. But Nyes, that's where he shines, you know, making mm-hmm. plays, playing physical, using his legs to separate. Uh, so I <laughs> I would not be surprised either way with him okay. um, leaving. I, I do think how this season turns out will be a big – factor with these players if they have a great playoff run and maybe this is the year then maybe it's easier for those guys to sign some pro contracts and go on the nhl and i think uh, the fans would be happy with that if they had a very successful year and could do that but this is a group where if they came back they're going to be dangerous again i got this message on gpl from magic uh could walker mclaughlin and crookshank return next season if they wanted to um, I think a lot of that has to do with what Motzko wants and less of what the player wants, uh, Viggs, and whatever fits into his plan. Does that sound about right? Yeah, they would have an extra year of eligibility because they, they do. played during the COVID year. So they could play another year of college hockey. Now, this year, teams could have extra players if their athletic director would pay the extra scholarship money. Next year, that goes away. Teams have to abide by the cap of 18 full scholarships to divide up. You know, So there's no extra money next year. So they would have to push back players who are committed and expecting to come in next year. And it's looking like a pretty full class for the Gophers. Yes. I, 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 as much as they've done for the university and as many points as they've put up, I, I just don't see it happening where they would come back but that's just me i'll be honest i've been a little disappointed in crookshank he was more of a goal scorer at colorado college and we just haven't he's been a little snake bit i will say that but we just haven't quite seen what we thought we could get out of him yeah i mean we thought he'd be a plug-and-play guy you know 10 Mm -hmm. 15 goals and it's been a struggle for him you know he still is a great skater and he's been good on the penalty kill and so he's contributing in other ways, but I have to agree with you. It's been a little bit of a disappointment. Darren Bakken uh, sent you a message, Viggs. Is Ben Myers top three in Hobie Baker, in your opinion? I think he's probably one of the top forwards in college hockey. 
but I don't think he's a Hobie type Top candidate. 10. Top 10. Yeah. I, I just don't see him as a Hobie candidate just because the point scoring has not been there for him over a career. Sometimes the Hobie is a little bit of a lifetime achievement award. Yes. You know, somebody who's been a, a darling of college hockey for a couple of years and then gets the award and, you know, the humanitarian aspect of the award comes out for some of these players. Like maybe um, a Dryden McKay. <laughs> If he doesn't get the Richter, <laughs> if he doesn't get the Richter again, yeah. Uh, so I, I think it would be hard for Myers to win the the Hobie right now. Okay, Jackie Gabrielson, what kind of rotations slash pairings do you think we'll see at D on Friday with Brinkman out due to his suspension? Yeah, a lot of times colleges will try to put their top two D and just rotate those two, and then rotate the other three. And we might see something like that where we see Lacombe and Johnson playing for each other. And so one of them is always on the ice. And then that third D rotates through Stodiker, Fish, and uh, Kester. So we might see some of that with spot duty for Rossini. You know, sometimes like after a power play, you know, that's a good opportunity to get that third pair out there. Uh, So we might see some of that. Okay, and then finally, Don Hansen wants to know, favorite whiskey in your collection uh, or that you have tried? So this comes down to two whiskeys for me. Okay. Uh, One is a Van Winkle Lot B. It's a highly allocated sought-after bourbon, and it's just got all the right richness and smoothness and long finish. It's very hard to acquire, but I was lucky to get one a couple years back. I still have a couple sips left in the bottle that I've been saving for some special occasions, but it is a fantastic bourbon if you ever can find it. The other one on my list is a uh, whiskey that you can find. It's called McAllen Rare Cask. And McAllen sets aside these these great casks of whiskey, and they just have these great um, candied sugar notes and just rich sherry notes. And it's just an outstanding uh, whiskey. It's probably more like a $300 type bottle and uh, you can find them because it's priced high, but it is outstanding. Great special occasion, you know, 40th birthday, 50th birthday, retirements, birth of children <laughs> is a great bottle to celebrate. I had some McAllen 12, I believe over Thanksgiving. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I have not had as much whiskey as all of you. I tend to just get my brand and stick with it. Um, I, I am drinking a lot more Larceny, which you introduced me to up in Duluth many years ago. It's not expensive, but I enjoy it. Uh, that McAllen was pretty good, though. Uh, we finished off the bottle that night. It was uh, a little dangerous. Quite a bit dangerous. Hey, any questions in the regular chat here? Uh, let me see here. <laughs> Corey V. Missed the start of the pod, but was the Sunday game at UW the lowest ever attended conference game by either of our schools? Has to be close. I know it was low. <laughs> uh, but did I did Todd say was he say fourteen hundred that somebody did a count or something? I'm not really sure. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know the the Big Ten tourney game at Mariucci might give that game a run for its money. Well, that was a fish. Those games were 1,800 and 2,300 scanned. Okay. I I went back and looked at that. (laughs) But the start of the game, oh, my God. And obviously, that's why Pat McAuletti got mad at me. So Yeah. 
But we, I'm sure Todd will get scan numbers at the end of the year, and we'll be able to have a comparison and find out if it indeed was. It's, uh, I'm, I'm just glad they got the game in. I am too. Let's keep yeah. it all balanced, so we don't have to go to any sort of, you know, point percentage. But the point percentage is pretty close to the actual. I mean, it's right lined up right now, so it's looking yeah. pretty good. Oh boy. Okay, Vigs. Let's start talking about this weekend. House of Horrors. I know the players, a lot of them haven't played there since it was canceled last year. The last time the team was there, they played better. But it's still not uh, the greatest place to play for Minnesota. But I've got some numbers here. They haven't won a regulation game since the 2016-17 season. That was a weekend when they went in there, won in regulation, and then won in overtime. That was the big one where Clues scored in late six, five seconds left off a faceoff, and then Pitlick scored in overtime. Um, and then we heard uh, Dan Kelly, Nighty Night, Nittany Lions as Gophers. I got uh, five out of six points. Following then, a loss, 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 mm-hmm. overtime loss, loss canceled (laughs) so yeah minnesota's a good team this year penn state's not as good of a team but man a lot of times it's just in your head and we know how many pucks they like to get on net i don't think it's going to be any kind of easy weekend at all no it's not you know bob said on his radio show that you have to play conservative when you play penn state and then I asked him, what does he mean by that? And he's like, you got to stop, you know, focusing on what I say more what I do or something like that. He was a little mad about that. <laughs> but it's true. They have to play a conservative game against Penn State. Too often they try to force action. And that's been the Achilles heel for Minnesota the last couple of years in these tight games. They almost give away a goal or two to the other team, and then they have to chase it. And if that other team seizes that momentum, it can get really tough for Minnesota. So I think that is the key this weekend is to play a little more conservative. And maybe, you know, if they play just 5D for a lot of the game, maybe they play more conservative because when you just play 5D, you know, you're not jumping in the rush. You're staying back a little bit more. Uh, Maybe that's something that they can capitalize on. But I think this team, for them to do well, they can't give away pucks. They got to hit the net. They got to get second chances, and they got to keep an eye for Penn State, who likes to fly forwards out of the zone when there's chaos. And and that's what killed them a couple of years ago. Yeah. When uh, Nanny's group of defensemen were getting split down the middle, time and time again with stretch passes by Penn State. Where I'm thinking Close is going to get 35 to 45 shots. Um, he just, you know, I know, you know, our guy Cap is saying that he didn't have any over 30 save games until Friday night. Then he did with 34 saves or 34 shots, something like that. Um, I, I do get a little concerned. A lot of his uh, rebounds are juicy on the weak side. It seems like if there's a player there, he's going to bury it in an open net. The team has done well to cover that. They'll need to really do that this weekend because there's going to be a lot of shots and there's going to be a lot of unexpected rebounds just with the way Penn State plays. 
Yeah, I, I think Minnesota did a pretty good job of keeping the Buckeyes to the perimeter for the most part, and there weren't second chances. I think that's going to have to be the recipe again for Penn State. You know, they will shoot from anywhere. It's mm-hmm. going to be key for closer to, to be aggressive on those shots, but also to be, you know, careful with his rebound control, with where he's put him. He, he's played much better than I expected. You know, if, if this was the goalie yes. that was backing up LaFontaine all year, uh, maybe they should have been giving him a few games here and there sooner, you know, because he's he's showing what a good goalie can do when they read the game well. And that's really the most important skill of a goalie is is reading the play. All right, Viggs, here we go. We need some predictions. Um, I, I think I want to say I did okay last week with the five because I got six. You were picking split, but – I know we. I know you had the feeling that the team really needed to prove that they could do what they did against a top quality team. Because honestly, you know, it wasn't a bad thing if someone said if anyone's going to sweep last weekend, it was going to be Ohio State. Mm-hmm. But the boys turned it on. Maybe they showed you something. Tell me about this weekend. <laughs> I kind of think with the the horse stories of of Happy Valley, this is a tough weekend for Minnesota to come and split, and it it just I'm worried about this one as well. Okay. You know, it's been a tough matchup for them. You know, you're gonna see guys in spots where they're gonna have to play a physical game, and that's gonna be a challenge for them. I don't, I don't think aggressive play has been good for Minnesota lately. So it's going to be a real test for them. I think a split this weekend would be very good for Minnesota, and I, that's what I'm expecting. I'm going to stick with my five points again. I'm trying to stay positive, but I'm just not – I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> um, you know, in all, I'm going to pick five, but in all honestly, honesty, I think a split would be good because, like I said – they haven't won there in five seasons. And they need to do that. They need to get, I mean, even if it's teams past, um, it's been a house of horrors, you know, especially those, you know, basically, you know, when we got eight losses in a row, one was an overtime, but uh, eight losses in a row, it's got to change weeks. So I'm going to pick five. I, I would be happy with a split. I'll, I'll be really interested to see how guys like Pitlick and Lucius and Kester handle this weekend because I think Penn State's going to target those guys a little bit with, with physical contact. You know, Pitlick's had that shoulder issue earlier in the year. He had the, the collarbone break. You know, Lucius has had some issues with bones breaking. So this is going to be a, a challenging series for this group. Tim Hackney, as long as Walker doesn't pass the puck in front of the net, close will be okay. That that was a bad play. Just oh. kind of wonder sometimes the hockey sense there to, to pass <laughs> the fish right in front of the net. Maybe not your most skilled defenseman in an awkward place to put the puck. Hopefully they learned from that. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I just yeah, I thought I actually thought it was you know, Johnson at first, because I wasn't paying attention or something like that. But then when I went back on the Southern Reef, I'm like, Walker, what are you doing? 
Well, you know, he's been told to pass the puck a little bit more. So <laughs> you he are certainly correct. came through there with that one. He did. Um, you know what? I, I think he's playing better. So yes, let's, let's just hope that he keeps going. You know, Cappy said it right when he's on our show. If Minnesota does well down the stretch and Sammy plays well down the stretch, all's forgiven from my <laughs> standpoint if it if it comes together. One thousand percent correct. One thousand percent correct, Gase. Wow, it's just hundred percent. Okay, whatever. (laughs) You got anything else for us, Vegs? Or can we get to overtime and maybe pay attention to this women's game here? Yeah, next week there's going to be a story on GPL. Hmm. So something, something to look forward next week. You know, I've seen the play of Pitlick this year, and I think there's a little bit of a reason why he's playing so well and why that freshman line is playing so well. And if this is a sign of, of the way things are going and, and Bob can figure out a way to keep doing things like this, Minnesota hockey could be coming back to prominence. Okay. I like the way you're thinking there. So be looking out for that next week, folks. Um, th- I think that's all we got. VAC. You don't have anything else. Go Gophers, huh? enjoy the weekend you know this is a prove it series for minnesota it's going to be physical that's not a game that minnesota typically plays i don't care if penn state hasn't been very good this year it's going to be a challenge for them Mm -hmm. and and i don't think these two programs like each other very much (laughs) and we're going to see that on the ice (laughs) i definitely agree i definitely agree Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL Podcast. We'll be back next week where we have Todd Molesky lined up to be our guest uh, as the Gophers close out the season with the Badgers. For those of you currently watching live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL Podcast.